Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach, Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone about kids departing the faith they were raised in. Learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. Welcome to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family and the author of the Influential Parenting Program that helps parents target the heart by going after the root of the issue rather than whacking away on the surface. I'm also the author of Going, Going, Gone, a great book that looks into why kids are leaving the faith. On today's program, we're going to be looking into what creates close homes. Revive Families all about connecting hearts, and today we're seeing that many homes are feeling lonely. And what we've found is that oftentimes the lack of connection in our homes has to do with the way we understand each other, with the way we listen to each other. So today's topic is close homes are listening homes. Why is this such an important topic? Because today, 60% of those in marriages report that they're lonely in this most important relationship. Research into loneliness has found that the longer a couple is married, the less they understand each other because they've stopped sharing their deepest feelings, desires, and goals. Unfortunately, I find a similar percentage of adolescents and teens that feel lonely in their homes as well. And this is leading to all sorts of issues in their lives. And this is why we're talking about close homes are listening homes. If we're going to stave off loneliness in our homes, listening and asking questions is essential to staying connected as families. In fact, listening and asking questions goes hand in hand. It's tragic how many parents I coach who have a hard time formulating good questions. Why is this tragic? Questions are what allow us to truly understand each other and to break down loneliness in our homes. Listening and asking questions is vital for having close, connected families. On today's program, we're going to explore listening and asking questions and how they can keep our hearts connected between family members in our homes. One of the hardest things to do in our busy family life, in our busy culture with our work schedules today, is to stop and really ask ourselves some hard questions. And I found that listening is one of those questions we really need to stop and reflect upon. We need to assess how good are we at truly actively listening to our spouse and our kids. So take a second right now and give yourself a grade on a 1 to 10 scale. 1, I'm lousy at active listening. 10 would be, I'm fabulous at active listening. So take a second right now and reflect and figure out where you are on that 1 to 10 scale with active listening. We're going to come back to it later in the broadcast after we explore more about active listening and asking questions. Then I included, we'll double check our scores and see where we're really at and try and come up with an active plan to become better at listening and asking questions. In essence, active listening is listening to understand. This means we set aside our tasks, phone, thoughts, and distractions to focus on what's being shared with us. Active listening is more than just listening to the words. It's tuning into the body language, the expressions, and the tone of voice. 
It may surprise you that words convey only about 7% of what we're trying to say according to the research. 93% is communicated through our body language, facial expressions, our tone of voice, and attitude. What this means is we need to sit down and really talk. We need to set aside everything, make eye contact, and concentrate on what is being shared with the objective of understanding what they're trying to say to us. In our fast-paced, busy world, it seems really inconvenient to set everything aside, sit down, and actually concentrate on the communication that's going on. Too often, we're trying to have discussions on the fly, when we're in the car, when we're doing other things, and this can lead to misunderstandings, miscommunication, and distance creeping into the relationships in your homes. Why is active listening so important? Because kids and spouses are rarely able to communicate with clarity, depth, or emotional transparency that's required for us to truly understand what they're thinking and feeling. Given this, we need to observe their nonverbal communication to pick up on the subtle hint that their day was not good or that there's something else going on. This is essential because I've found that many parents and kids fear bringing up sore spots or issues, believing that it will lead to either conflict, hurt, or that they won't be listened to, heard, and understood. Our busy schedules and technology makes it really easy to distract ourselves so that we don't need to talk about the deeper things. But this is the reason we end up feeling lonely and disconnected. We have to be able to share those deeper feelings thoughts, ideas, desires, and goals to stay on the same path, to continue to understand each other, and to remain connected at a heart level. One of the things that breaks down a listening and understanding culture very quickly is a focus on right and wrong as opposed to listening to understand. In my coaching of couples, I find that they're often focused on what each other has said or done and upon blame. But when I get them listening to each other and asking questions to understand, and they begin sharing how they're feeling, new perspectives are understood, and compassion begins to flow into the situation, leading to healing and true resolution. I'm convinced that compassion is the essential missing element in our families. Compassion cannot exist without understanding another's feelings, plight, or situation. Listening and asking questions are the only way to truly get to this point of understanding. Apart from compassion, there is absolutely no way a family filled with imperfect people is going to stay close and connected. This is the reason that active listening is so important. Here are five recommendations for active listening taken from the article Active Listening, The Art of Empathetic Conversation. The first tip is be an involved listener. Show your attention by nodding your head and raising your eyebrows. Make sounds that indicate attentiveness. Remember that even by listening, we're communicating nonverbally. Second, pay attention and dismiss your own thoughts. When we're focused on what we're going to say and how we're going to respond, we're not truly listening to understand. We need to devote our attention to the speaker. Be present in the moment and pay attention, observing the speaker while they're sharing their story. Observe subtle changes in their voice, the words they use, and the emotions they're experiencing. I've found that paying attention to those emotions are a vital clue in communicating with our kids. They tell us where we need to stop and ask a question.
Third, practice empathetic listening. This is vital in a parent-child relationship. As parents, it's easy to put ourselves in a position where we're always evaluating or judging what our kids are saying. Is it right? Is it wrong? Does it need to be corrected? This becomes a huge disincentive for our kids to share their feelings and be open with their parents. A good active listener is able to receive a message without the need to judge based upon their own beliefs. This is really hard for us as parents, but it's essential. A great parent or shepherd leads like Jesus. They help their kids learn to develop lasting thinking and decision-making skills that serve them the rest of their lives, rather than trying to make judgments and decisions for their kids. Fourth, tolerate silence. Sometimes this can be really hard for us as parents. We need to resist that urge to fill moments of silence. There are different types of silence. Respecting quiet moments can be a powerful tool for a deep conversation. It gives a speaker and a receiver the chance to reflect and continue with the process. If you find silence difficult, you can encourage the person to continue by asking open questions such as, what do you make of this? Or tell me more about what happened. Do not underestimate silence for a potentially rich conversation. We all need time to stop, process, and think if we're going to share deep emotional things with one another. Fifth, paraphrase. This means reflecting back what the other person has said. You can do this by starting with sentences such as, so you're saying that, or by repeating in your own words what you believe the other person has said. Leave it open-handed so if you miss something, they feel the freedom to clarify. A recent study found that while paraphrasing does not necessarily make people feel understood, it does create a greater sense of closeness and intimacy in a conversation. I looked at a diagram related to active listening preparing for the show, and it was interesting. They had seven elements. Number one, be attentive. Two, ask open-ended questions. Three, ask probing questions. Four, request clarification. 5. Paraphrase. 6. Be attuned to and reflect the other person's feelings. And 7. Summarize. What's interesting to me is three of those steps involve questions. We are not active listening if we're not tuning in, paying attention, reading the body language, and then using that to ask probing, thoughtful, open-ended, insightful questions. Questions are part of a healthy conversation that leads to understanding, and understanding leads to compassion, and compassion leads to connected hearts. When we come back in a couple of minutes, we're going to continue the conversation and pick up with this whole thought of asking questions. What is a good question? What isn't a good question? How do we learn to formulate questions that will get our spouses and our kids talking? We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Making the transition from high school and life at home to college and life away from home is one of life's greatest challenges for young people today. Fifteen years ago, researcher, author, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott was working for Campus Crusade for Christ at Arizona State University. He observed that many students were not making it through their freshman year. Nearly 30% couldn't handle it and dropped out. Their grades were good enough to get into ASU, but their lifestyles away from home produced failure. How did that happen? 
Jeff Schott researched the phenomenon in detail, and you can see and read what he uncovered at revivefamily.com. If you're a parent, you want your kid to succeed. Are they ready for life on their own? Nearly one-third are not. They'll fail. At revivefamily.com, Jeff Schott provides parenting wisdom to help kids prepare for the college transition so they'll succeed on their own. Find all the resources you need at revivefamily.com on your way to becoming a wiser, better parent. Welcome back to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, and today we're talking about close homes are listening homes. And listening, we're discovering, is more than just hearing. It's engaging in an active listening process that involves asking questions. Today, far too many families are lonely, disconnected, and their communication is more about tasks, and we're surprised that we're not feeling close to each other. We're surprised that we feel lonely, but it's because we're not having the deeper conversations where we're sharing our deep feelings, desires, and goals with each other. And in the last segment, we talked about active listening and the need to set everything else aside and really concentrate on the individual that we're talking with. This includes tuning into their body language so that we can pick up on things that they may not be sharing with us. So why don't our kids share things with us? It's because I've found that they often fear that we're going to not listen, that we're going to make a snap judgment, jump in with a story, jump in with some piece of wisdom and tell them what to do. When what they really desire from us is to help them think it through, help them begin to think and make wise decisions for themselves. And this requires us to be very good active listeners. And more importantly, it really requires us to ask those open-ended, thought-provoking questions. I'll never forget a plane flight I was on sitting next to a mom. I asked her briefly why she was heading to Durango, Colorado from Southern California, and she kind of brushed it off. Then I asked what she did, and she said, well, I'm an attorney. And then she asked what I did, and I shared about my research with kids and what we were learning related to parenting. This, of course, piqued her interest, and she asked me a couple of questions, and I started sharing some of our observations from the research. After that, I asked again, why are you heading to Durango this time of year? It's an odd time of year to go. And she actually shared that she was heading there to talk with her son who was in boarding school, had been away for 18 months, and it all of a sudden started spending way too much money on the credit card that was supposed to be used only for emergencies. So I asked her, how are you going to handle that? She said she was going to pull out the credit card bill show it to him, tell him it was unacceptable, and that he had broken trust once more. That's when I told her that I thought that would be a disaster, and she said, why? And I said, well, I assumed that there was conflict and a lot of issues before you sent him to boarding school, maybe even between the father and the son. And she looked at me surprised and said, yeah, that's exactly the case. And I said, well, he's been on his own for quite some time, making all the decisions on his own. And I'm taking it that we've had similar conversations where we've told him things are wrong and trust is broken before, and they led to conflict. And she said, well, yeah. I said, well, given that he's been off by himself and not around you for so long, coming in that strong is definitely going to put him on the defensive and likely shut him down and lead to more conflict. That's when she said, well, what would you do? And I said, I'd ask him a bunch of questions 
to determine what he's thinking, what his goals are, how he's feeling about what's going on at the boarding school and with money management. To this, she asked, can you give me some examples? And so I rattled off, how's it going managing your money? What are your goals financially for your future? How much debt do you want to have when you get out of school? And she stopped me and said, whoa, these are great questions. Do you mind if I pull out my notepad and write it down? And she pulled out, given that she's an attorney, a yellow legal pad and wrote the questions down. As she finished writing them down, she said, I'm thinking of a bunch of other questions that I'd like to ask him. Can I write those down and have you review them? And I said, sure. So a few minutes later, she handed me the pad and I looked at her questions and I started crossing some off. And she's like, why are you crossing those off? And I said, well, in this one, there's an embedded accusation. And in this one, it's got a negative assumption underneath it. And she looked at me and said, you got me. And while that wasn't my goal, what I was trying to help her see was that the way we ask questions is essential. Oftentimes, as parents, we come in with an assumption about our kid, and we may ask a question that is based upon a negative assumption, and this is not an open-ended question. Neither is a question that has an embedded accusation in it. Questions are absolutely essential if we're going to be able to help our kids grow and mature. When we decide we need to make the decisions for them or correct everything they're thinking and saying, they aren't learning. What helps them learn is when we do this act of listening, we notice their body language and we interject a question that causes them to reflect, that causes them to think, that forces them to wrestle with the decisions or the actions that they're undertaking. What was really cool about the conversation that ensued with this mom on the flight was about two weeks later, I touched base with her, and she couldn't believe I called her, and she was so excited because she said, Jeff, I need to tell you that what you taught me about influential parenting and all those questions you helped me formulate led to the best weekend I've had with my son in years. If there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. The fact that this mom went in seeking to listen to her son and seeking to ask him a bunch of questions and allow him to think things through, maybe for the first time related to finances and his future, led to an amazing weekend. If she had gone in with her facts and her truth and had come down on him, I guarantee you the conversation wouldn't have gone well and her son would have learned very little. From parents, I often get the admission that they're really poor at asking their kids questions. In fact, they're not even sure how to formulate good questions. And given all the data on active listening, it's clear that asking good questions are essential. Remember that diagram we covered in the first segment of the program? It advised three different types of questions, asking open-ended questions, asking probing questions, and requesting clarification. While I think those are good, I think they may not be as helpful as the author intended. So here's what I recommend when it comes to asking questions. In the beginning, write questions down prior to beginning a conversation with your kid, especially if you're going into a topic where there has been conflict or issues in the past. Then review the list of questions and make sure they don't have embedded negative assumptions in them or, better yet, accusations like some of the ones that mom had on the plane. 
Here are some of the categories of questions I like to process, think through when I'm seeking to have more challenging conversations with my own kids. Number one, open-ended questions. Like this, tell me how you see your friends. Evaluate their strengths and weaknesses for me. Many parents could alleviate a lot of heartburn by asking this question because I found that when I ask it when coaching kids that seem on the edge, they evaluate their friends very accurately, often more accurately than their parents. Second category of question I like to ask are reflective questions. How do you want others to view you? These are questions that get them to think through how they want to be seen by others. It gets them reflecting upon their actions and how they're coming across. Forward projecting questions. How could this habit or decision impact your future, college, and or career? I found that when we ask future oriented questions, it gets our kids thinking and oftentimes it helps them say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Another category of questions I like to ask are questions that require self-evaluation like this. How do you feel about yourself when you do these things? I've found that oftentimes parents that come through our influential parenting and begin to ask these types of questions are shocked to find that their kids feel worse about themselves, feel horrible after they've lied or made a mistake. Getting them to admit this and recognize it, one, removes the frustration on the part of us as parents with the action, and two, shows us that they really do have good hearts. And this helps us stay connected at a heart level. Another category is relational questions. These questions are essential in staying connected to our kids. They're questions like this. How are you feeling about our family? How are you feeling about our relationship? How are you feeling about your relationship with your dad or your mom? Getting our kids talking about their relationships and where they're really at and what they're really feeling is essential in restoring issues that they have with us. This keeps them close, keeps our hearts connected, and leaves them much less vulnerable to outside influences. And finally, emotional questions. Questions like this. I just saw an expression on your face. How are you feeling? How are you doing on the inside? These types of questions lead to deeper, more emotional conversations that lead to true understanding and can help us really resolve issues between us and our kids. I know as a parent right now, you may be saying, wow, lots of different categories. I need to listen to this again. So you can always go to our site, revivefamily.com, and listen to this broadcast again in our podcast area. I also realize some parents may be saying, wow, there's no way my kids are going to answer these questions right now. And if that's where you find yourself, let me, let me encourage you to sign up for our online class, Influential Parenting. It will lead you into an entirely different thought process about how to interact with your kid, how to deal with issues, and give you tools that will help you connect with your kid at a deeper level. In fact, the implementation process is absolutely essential in rebuilding the relationship so that you can get to having these deeper, more important conversations with your kids. Active listening is essential today. In our busy, crazy culture, it's too easy to get moving and just talk about the tasks that need to get done, the schedule, 
and ask the simple question, how was your day in the car? And our kid will say good or fine. And maybe they'll open up and share some things. But in that environment, can we have our eyes on them? Can we see if there's something else going on underneath? So often I find with my kids, when I'm really paying attention and active listening, I pick up on things and then I ask questions. And all of a sudden, even though they've shared three positive things about their day and said their day was fine, they have this countenance that just explodes into negativity. And they tell me about the one deeply hurtful thing that happened on the playground. This whole concept of active listening is absolutely essential to staying close with our kids and helping our kids learn to process the ups and downs of life in a healthy way. Active listening is essential to having those close, connected homes we desire. Active listening is tuning in, putting aside everything else, our phone, our distractions, even our own thoughts and judgments, so that we can listen to understand and that we're able to pick up on their body language and ask those clarifying questions to dig in deeper so that we can stay close, not just with our kids, but also in our marriages. I hope you found this conversation helpful, and I believe that it will bear much fruit in your home with your spouse and your kids if you're able to put things aside and truly begin to active listen and ask thought-probing, open-ended, that lead to sharing at a deeper level. Thank you for joining me for Revive Families Connecting Hearts. We'll be back next week with more ideas and more concepts and tools that can help you stay connected at a heart level in your homes. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.